0: Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com. I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E dot Now from there you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you grow along the journey of life with others develop a heart to serve the least the last and the lost and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ Now, on to our weekend message Um, we're, uh, here at Christmas time and we all have our Christmas trees, uh, a little survey here. How many of you are, uh, real tree people? You have a real tree. I mean, it's dead now. It's dead now. Okay. But okay. How many of you got it at a tree lot? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you did it the real way? You hunted that sucker. Okay, awesome. Now, we used to do that, my wife and I, and we had three little kids. And when they were young, it was so great. And then they reached this stage where, it, they, you know, they're pre-adolescents. You know what I mean? It was not cool anymore. And so my wife and I, we just did the unthinkable we bought a fake tree. How many of you How many of you have a fake tree? Okay, all right. You know, every year I go on eBay looking for that fake tree my uh, aunt and uncle had in Indiana. It was silver. This is in the 60s. Silver with the little rotating light. Anybody remember those? Yeah, yeah. I, I promised to buy one one year. My wife will be horrified. But um, that's kind of, I just thought that was cool. I've got my little Charlie Brown Christmas tree I keep in my office, busted out every year. We, you know, we, we just thought it's easier and the- kids are fine with it, but one day they're going to get old enough to go, why don't we get a real tree? We'll go back to that. When you think about the Christmas tree and the Christmas story, the tree is such a central part of the story, but probably little known fact, where did and how did the Christmas tree evolve into what we have today? Well, the Germans in uh, the late 14th, 15th, 16th century, they had a tradition of decorating trees. Uh, they would just outside they would go and they would decorate trees around the Christmas time and it was a reminder of Christ Now I don't really know and it's hard to understand why but they would just throw some things on the trees and decorate them up But history tells us that uh, a guy named Martin Luther He was uh, a reformer. He was one that kind of started a new birth in the church Martin Luther was out one night walking amongst the trees and it was around Christmas time and he was meditating on his sermon And as he's walking through, he was looking at the stars as they were shining through the tall trees. He went back home, told his wife and kids, they went and they cut down a tree and brought it in. And history tells us he's the first person ever to wire together, to strap together candles to put on trees. Now, I do not recommend that today. Everybody had a candle, but that would be a serious fire threat. Okay, Um, you know, but, but that was the first lit up tree. Well, today, obviously it's a lot more sophisticated than that. We have electronic lights. And my wife and I, we were debating, when we get our plastic tree, do we get them with the LED lights already built in? And it's like, no, that would just be too much going down the road to purgatory. It's like, we can't do that, you know. We at least have to string it. But, you know, the first Christmas tree was brought in. And because of the German traditions, now, you know, hundreds of years later, we have our tree. And I wanted to just take a couple minutes and talk about the tree. And I wanted to talk about some elements of the tree. Tree. And what I believe the Bible says about those. So follow with me because if you go home, you can even see this on your own tree. First of all, at the top is always some kind of a star or some kind of an angel, something as a reminder of the Christmas story. The Bible tells us that the very first Christmas, there were wise men that came to worship Jesus. And how they got there from the Middle East. Was by following a star. Look what the Bible says. Here's the Bible verse in Matthew 2. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men came from eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose. And that's important in a story. And we've come to worship him. So somehow they were reading the Bible, the Old Testament, and they read about this star and they see this star and they get up and they just pack everything and they leave. After this interview, the wise men went their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, not a normal star, but a supernatural star from God. Guiding them to Bethlehem, it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Filled with joy literally means they were just ecstatic. It's kind of like they were jumping up and down. They were probably traveling four to six months, hundreds and hundreds of miles to get there. They didn't quite know what they were going to get when they got there. But they got a baby and they saw this baby and they were able to shower him with gifts. The very first star... That we see like this led people to the baby Jesus. I think that's a beautiful metaphor for the fact that God is always putting people in our lives who are lights, who are examples. Think about your own life. There are people that have brightened up your life. There are people that have guided you on a journey. I think about my early life before I became a follower of Jesus. It was a guy named Dave. Dave Law later became a boss and he sold my mom a piano and gave it to her and took it on layaway. Remember that layaway? Those were the days. Yeah. You you know, and so, so he, he instructed her about faith and about kindness then he invited her to church. She ended up coming to know Jesus. She invited our, our, the family, my brother and sister. We came to know Christ. And the reality is, is that it was a guy who was just living a life shining brightly for Jesus. And, you know, you have those in your life. And I have them in my life. People that are talking about God, living that life of God. Some of you are maybe 40 watt lights. Some of you are thousand watt lights. But you're stars that are guiding people to Jesus. Don't ever say no when God brings a star into your life. Now, just like with the wise men, it's, it's a little mystical how it happens, and I think it, it takes faith on our part, but when that star shows up, somebody pointing us to Jesus, shining bright for Jesus, we need to get up and, and walk that journey, and just like these guys, it wasn't a straight path. Bible indicates that it moved, it turned, and it finally stopped over Jesus, and I believe that's true in our life. So when you think about the star, if you've got a star at the top of your tree, first of all, think about the wise men that were guided. And that there's a God that loves you and wants to guide you to himself. Uh, Another part of the Christmas story itself, when you think about a tree, uh, you think about the lights. I mean, they're, they're just beautiful. Now, everybody's got styles. Some of you are colored light people. Some of you are white light people. That's okay. We don't have to fight. How many of you are colored uh, crazy lights? Anybody? And some of you are pure white lights. Okay. All right. That's great. That's fine. Uh, and, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Just don't marry the other side. You'll have conflict in your marriage for years to come. <laughs> but lights, when you think about lights, they, they do light up the tree. Now, When we think about lights, we actually experience that in the Bible when we see that very first Christmas. This is what the Bible says. It talks about the shepherds. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Now in the Bible, whenever God shows up or there's a picture of God, he's he's cloaked in amazing, brilliant light. He's described as light, the author of light. In the very beginning of the Bible, he says, let there be light. And light is a key part of the story. So there's this radiating light about the Lord's glory over these angels, probably panic them. Because it says they're terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly ugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And then the text closes with these words, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast horde of others, a host of others, a, a choir of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heavens and peace on earth to whom God is pleased. Can you just imagine those shepherds? They're out there, their sheep are asleep, they're kind of, you know, maybe they're asleep already or they're, they're just waiting to go to sleep as they're making sure there are no predators around and they've taken care of their sheep and all of a sudden an angel angel pops up with the glory of the Lord, the brightness of the light of the Lord. And then untold millions, thousands, whoever knows the myriad of angels show up and all praise God. Now, the funny thing is, is that when you read the rest of the Bible story about Jesus, you see Jesus grows up and he himself stands before his people and he proclaims these words. It's beautiful. He says this. He says, I am. Am the light of the world. Jesus was born into the world to be the light to reveal God to us. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, I'm the kind of guy that loves night lights around the house. I don't know. My wife doesn't like them. It kind of, you know, the light keeps her awake. But I don't want to stumble and fall. And you know, we have stairs, and I've how many stub your toe? I like little lights because I don't like it totally dark. My family's actually been in California week for a week and I did a dumb thing I watched a little horror movie that was not a good thing I was freaked out you know all all night it's like you know I wanted light on you know light removes the fear and that's what Jesus says that he is the light and he calls us to follow him and then cool he says we become lights that shine out to others and we through our very lives we reflect the light of God's light. So we think about the star. We think about the lights. We think about the decorations. Uh, the decorations, again, you know, different people, different colors, different styles. I'm kind of a silver and gold guy. You know, some of you are, you know, you know, critic crazy. My wife loves all these ornaments. Her aunt makes this leaded glass stuff and uh, some old, really looking beautiful ornaments. And we get a new one every year and we hang them there. We've got lights with pictures of our, you know, our ornaments with pictures of our kids in there and things like that. Ornaments are cool. Kids have brought ornaments home from school, you know, and we stick them there on the refrigerator. But ornaments are very unique. Ornaments reflect a style, reflect a heart. And, you know, the Bible says that when God made you, he made you in love. And in much in the same way that an ornament decorates a tree, you are a decoration from God. Now, now think about this. In the Old Testament book of Psalm, Psalm 119, 139, it says these beautiful words about the, the writer and about you and about me. Look what it says. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. So the author goes, you know, God, when you made me and you knit me together, you put me together in my mother's womb. You were intricate. You were involved. You, you made a, a masterpiece. Not, not this out of pride kind of thing, but you made me the way You made me. Now, for me, this was an instrumental verse when I was about 17 years old. And I had to come to terms with I hadn't liked my life. I hadn't liked a lot of things. And I came to terms with the fact that God made me exactly the way he made me. And so I have to accept that and not just accept it, but embrace it and be that person. We've got all kinds of different styles here. We've got all kinds of colors of hair. Some change rapidly, right? You know, uh, mine's graying. Some of yours are getting blonder. You know, Um, we have all different kinds of noses. We have all different kinds of ears, different heights, different shapes. God makes us. In a way that brings honor to Him. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians, this cool little thing, it says, we are God's masterpiece. The word behind that in the original language is like a poem. God is so impressed by us. He wrote us out. He fashioned us. He shaped us a certain way. No, no two of us are alike. You know, you might have a doppelganger here or there, but they're definitely a little different than you. But God loves you. And he made you exactly the way you are for a purpose. His purpose. And we are his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for your life. God has a desire for your life. He wants you to decorate up the life That he's made for other people, for yourself. He wants you to to love who you are and to be excited about how he made you. And then to express that goodness and express that glory. Now, one of the things that pretty much anybody under 14, maybe 15 or 16 thinks about at Christmas is there's only one thing to think about at Christmas, right? It's the presents underneath the package, right? The gifts right underneath there. Um, How many of you are Christmas Eve openers? Raise your hand. Really? Okay, we did that all the time. You know, how many, how many of you are Christmas morning openers? Okay, good. Good discipline, moms and dads, you know? That's awesome. And uh, we would do both, you know, at our house, Christmas Eve, grandma's Christmas morning kind of thing. It's great. Everybody loves presents. Everybody loves gifts. We love the beauty of gifts. We, I mean, the, the color, the wrapping, the bow, the intricacy, and especially when a gift is something that a person gives specifically because they thought of you because they looked around and they, they, they took great care. You know, gift cards are awesome. That's fine. Okay. A 20 or something like that. That's fine in a card. But when somebody picks out a gift specifically thinking about you, that is amazing because they look at you and they think this gift is the perfect gift It's the gift that reflects you and your need. Um, When you think about the gifts, there were gifts that first Christmas, and they're pretty interesting. We don't give these gifts today. The wise men came, it says. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. These wise men identified Jesus as God because they worshipped him. They got down. I mean... Your baby is awesomely cute, okay? But I'm not going to bow down and worship her. You know, you might bow down and change your diaper. But that's, and that's a form of worship, maybe. It's a form of care. But these wise men fell down before this baby Jesus. They acknowledged he wasn't just a normal baby. And look at the gifts they gave him. They gave him uh, treasure chests they opened up, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, now gold is a, a kingly gift, And so in a very real sense, they recognize as a king. Jesus is a king. He's somebody worthy of honor, of royalty, and we're going to give him gold. They gave him frankincense. It's an incense that they would burn in the temple of God, and they would just basically burn this to bring honor to God. And when that scent would rise up, it was pleasing smell. And so, in a sense, they're saying, this is God we're worshiping. We're giving this as a way to acknowledge he's not just a king, but he's actual God. The last gift is really weird. It's, It's myrrh. And myrrh is a fragrance. It was a spice specifically used to embalm dead bodies. I don't know what Mary thought about at that point. That's an odd gift. You've all received odd gifts, right? Early after my wife and I were married, we were down in California. And I think it was kind of like they didn't expect I was really coming kind of gift. Because her mother-in-law, uh, my mother-in-law, her mom wrapped up these plastic ducks. And I opened them up and I thought, this is like plan D, you know what I mean? And it was one of those, oh, you know, you have to be nice and cordial and go, oh, these are great. I have no idea what these are, you know, and they were plastic ducks. And I looked at my wife and she cringed a little bit. And so we took them home and put them in the trash because they were weird. We've all received gifts that are a little odd, right? Myrrh is an odd gift, but I really believe it symbolizes the fact that not only is... Is Jesus a royalty, a king? Not only is he worthy of worship because he's God, it's an indication that his whole mission and plan was to go and die. In fact, the ladies that anointed Jesus' body would have put myrrh on his body to get it ready for burial. The Bible says that there is a gift that God has for you and for me. And it's the most precious gift. It's Jesus himself. Look what it says in John Chapter 3, verse 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only son. That is the gift that God offers for you and for me. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is God's gift for you. And I think it's most appropriate at Christmas to hear about it, to welcome it, to receive it. But there's one final thing that I want to share just in closing. And it's this thought. It's, It's not so much about the star or the lights, or the decorations, or the gifts. It's the actual tree. It's the tree itself. If you ever read through the Bible, you discover the idea of a tree weaves its way all through from the Old to the New Testament, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. In the very beginning, God planted a garden and planted some trees, a tree of life. If Adam and Eve would have eaten it, they would have lived forever. Everything would have been great, but there was also a tree... That had moral value, the knowledge of good and evil. But if they ate of that and they were commanded not to, then they would have sin in their life. And they wanted to be like God. And that's our struggle and our our sin and our issue is we want to be in control of our lives. and, And that tree caused the downfall of all humanity. And then you continue to weave through this idea of a tree. At the very end of Revelation, there's another tree, the tree of life, and the tree of healing of all the nations where God is still concerned. But as you make your way through the Bible, there's this Old Testament curse on anyone who's hung on a tree. And one day the Bible says Jesus died and he died on a cross. But several Bible passages use the metaphor of tree To exclaim what he hung on. Look at this verse. It's kind of fascinating. Oh, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden. To eat, attend, and watch over. But the Lord warned him. You may freely eat of the tree here in the garden. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you'll surely die. But look at this next verse right here. He himself, speaking of Jesus. Bore our sins in his body on the tree. Do You ever think about that? The Bible is sometimes... Using the word of a tree as opposed to a cross. Because the cross is made of wood, right? I mean, Jesus himself, the Bible says, was the son of a carpenter. And so he would have been used to wood. I mean, himself being born, being put in some kind of a manger, some kind of a stall. Uh, Growing up, the son of a carpenter. Probably knowing how to work with his hands. Work with wood. Work with stone. And then to be a craftsman. And then ultimately to die an instrument of death, torture, a a cross. And the Bible says that that curse still holds anybody who dies on a tree. And Jesus became the curse for you and for me so that we, we might die to our sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. The Bible says not a Christmas tree, but that Jesus went to a tree a cross. To die for us because God loved us so much to bring us back together. And the great gift that he offers us is the truth that we're loved. We're created craftsmanship. We're made a specific way. He has a desire for us. Most importantly, to know us in a relationship. And then we become the lights that light up the world because he himself has guided us to this place. He's guided us, even I believe, tonight. When I think about Christmas and I think about the Christmas tree, I think about the reality is that the Christmas season is really about when we go out and take a tree and we bring it inside. And in a very real way, what God wants to do, he wants to take us out from the outside And bring us to the inside and totally change us and make us into what I believe is a work of art, a thing of beauty. Why don't you pray with me right now? God, I want to thank you for the Christmas tree. I want to thank you for the elements, the star. Maybe somebody has guided us even here tonight. Maybe we're stars guiding others. That's an awesome thing, God. We think about the lights. You've declared that you're the light of the world and then you send us out to be lights. Lighting up a very dark world. Being hope. Being inspiration to other people. We're we're the decorations that you hand made. Handcrafted. beautiful, Beautiful, exquisite design and pattern. Unique. And you put us together. God, I think about just the reality of the gift of Jesus Christ. Why would we walk away from a gift like that? We would receive it and open it and embrace it. Because it's handmade for us. It's Jesus dying for our sins. Ultimately on a cross. On a tree, metaphorically. So that we would receive life. And so Father, we thank you for guiding us and bringing us here. So we could celebrate and we could thank you for all your love through the tree. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.